Good morning. If you turn in your Bibles to Luke, the 17th chapter, I want to start there this morning and hopefully stir up your minds on some things that you probably are, uh, have been told and taught before, but I think are important to remember, especially after Brother Tim's uh, update on Africa and some of those things that are going on there. I thought that tied in really well with some of the thoughts on my mind. But in Luke, the 17th chapter, I'm not going to read it, but you can find this account there starting in the 11th verse. Uh, And it's the account of where the Lord heals ten lepers. And if you're familiar with that account, um, what happens is um, the Lord is uh, on his way uh, to to Jerusalem. And he passes through the midst of Samaria. And as he's going through there, uh, there are ten lepers, which, uh, you know, I'm sure that you're aware that leprosy was just a death knell to your life. Uh, I'm sure it would kill you, but it took whatever relationships you had, probably whatever possessions you had. And it just it just stripped all those things away from you because you were, uh, you know, you were condemned as an unclean person in a very contagious um, sickness there. And, you know, your day to day life was just gone. It was snatched away from you. So it was a horrible place to be. Uh, You know, we quarantine now for 10, 15 days with covid. But, you know, once you got leprosy, that was it. You were gone. You know, you were sent off. And couldn't, you know, be with your family and do the things that you love to do anymore. And if you had a favorite chair and you wanted to sit in it, once you sat in it, goodbye chair. Nobody else would be able to sit in it. So it was a terrible thing. So as he's on his way to Jerusalem and he passes through Samaria, there's ten lepers there that are carrying this burden. And they begin to cry out to him and, and beg him to have mercy on them. And so the Lord tells them, you know, sometimes in your mind you picture that the Lord goes up to him, which he did this at times, but not in this particular situation. The Lord goes up to him and they ask for mercy and he says, you need to go show yourself to the priest. Now, he did not go up there and breathe on them and lay hands on them or pray with them. And they just were immediately healed like some of the lepers were that he encountered. He tells them to go to the priest. And the Bible tells us that as they were on their way, they had left the company of Jesus and they're going to the priest. And sometime between encountering Jesus and going to the priest, all of a sudden their leprosy is gone. So. As those ten lepers are there, Jesus is, is, uh, is gone from them. He's no longer standing there with them. And the Bible tells us that one of them out of ten, ten percent, turns around, goes back to the Lord, and falls down at his feet and gives thanks for what the Lord has done for him. Now, we often use that to show, you know, uh, one, to show what a thankful heart looks like. But we also use it to show... Uh, what an unthankful heart looks like. And, you know, I found, I found in my own life and I found in my just observations that typically if you go out and you give 10 gifts to some, to, to people, maybe you, uh, give them 10 gifts and on down, you know, you know, a day later they open those 10 gifts, you might get one or two to thank you for those things. And I found in my own life that a lot of times I'll be given a gift And it's not that I'm not grateful for it, but sometimes it just slips my mind to go finish this deal off and go thank somebody for what they've done for me. So the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy that in the last days that perilous times are going to come. And it gives a long list, 20-something traits that you will find as time goes by and as men grow more wicked and more wicked and as we drift further and further from the Lord, it gives us traits that we will see abound more than they are now. And one of those traits is unthankfulness. That you'll see that fewer and fewer people are grateful and thankful for the things that they have. Now, 
the point that I want to make for this is obviously we need to be thankful people. Uh, you know, I thought about Sister L's uh, uh, card up here. It was a thank you card. You know, my wife has, uh, you know, beat me over the head many, many times that, hey, we need to send thank you cards. Not literally beat me over, head, beat me over the head, but, you know, I just kind of thought you tell a man thank you and then that's the end of it. But, no, you got to write a card. you got to follow up with that thank you, you know, and so we thank you notes and And so we need to be a thankful people. Don't misunderstand me. But my point that I want to make about thankfulness is this. In order for us to be thankful for something, we got to know we have it, right? It is impossible to be thankful for something that you don't know that you even have. All right, I want to let that sink in for a minute. Just say, for example, let's just say one Sunday we're going to be eating lunch and as, as uh, oftentimes, you know, everybody gets up there and they go to the, sanctuary, I mean, the, to the fellowship hall over there and then we begin to eat lunch and a lot of you ladies leave your purses in here, right? Well, what if uh, I went through there and I stuck a $100 bill in each one of those purses and you had no idea, I'll put one in your purse. I had no, you had no idea. And I walked into the fellowship hall where you were sitting, it would be impossible for you to thank me for that. Because you have no idea that you are in possession of something I've given you. Right? Now, I say that to segue into this, this morning. And that is to look at what is the purpose of the gospel. Okay? Now, there are some that believe that man's response to hearing the gospel preach is what will determine his eternal destination. I want to make sure you caught that. There are some that believe that man's response to the hearing the gospel preached is what will determine his eternal destination. For example, you go up to somebody, you present the gospel to them. You talk about sin. You talk about the penalty of sin. You talk about the cross at Calvary. You talk about the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You talk about an eternal heaven and you talk about an eternal hell. And how that person responds to that is what will determine whether they go to heaven or hell. Okay? That is probably one of the most popular beliefs when it comes to the gospel and the purpose of it. But 1 Corinthians, the first chapter in the 18th verse, completely destroy that belief system. Because the Bible tells us that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. Right? And I've said many, many times before, how do you ever get somebody to embrace something or accept something? The Bible tells us in advance that they will believe is foolish. You see, when the gospel is preached to those that have not been born again by the Spirit of God, the Bible tells us it is utter foolishness to them. So we cannot be satisfied that man's response to this gospel is what determines his eternal state. Because unless we've already been born again, we'll never respond to the gospel. Because the last part of that verse is, but those of us which are saved, already in a present state of possessing salvation, the gospel is powerful to us. It moves us. It means something to us. So if that's not what the gospel does, if the gospel is not the highway or the, the means which somebody makes it to heaven, then what is it? What is the purpose of the gospel? And, and again, back over to 2 Timothy in the first chapter, very powerful set of verses here that were very eye-opening to me when it comes to understanding the gospel. For, uh, 2 Timothy, the first chapter in the ninth verse 
starts this way. It is speaking of the Lord. It says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. I would add to that, not according to our repentance, not according to our confession, not according to our baptism, not according to our belief. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But notice this. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The first time that we came to Bethlehem or the first little season that we were at Bethlehem and brother Tim and I were kind of going back and forth and he was helping me understand some things. The first time that he shared this verse with me and he, he shared it with me and then he asked me point blank, what is the purpose of the gospel? According to these verses, there was only one answer that you could give. And that answer is that the gospel brings life and immortality to light, not into existence. It illuminates it. It it shines a light on something and allows us to be able to understand it. So what? We can be thankful for something. The Bible tells us what we have. The Bible tells us about the hundred dollars that has been slipped into your purse or your wallet. And because of that, we should be a thankful people, right? So that's the purpose of the gospel is to bring life and immortality to light. And I want to look at that just for a few minutes and I'll be very brief. There are two things that it tells us it, it, it illuminates. And that is life and that is immortality. Two different, two separate and distinct things. Now, one of the reasons that I spend time studying God's word one because I, I feel a burden to do that so to so I can satisfy the office of preaching right but another reason I do that because the Bible is clear that it is a light to my life it will help illuminate things in my life that will help me as I go along and I've noticed now listen there are circumstances that will come up in our lives and there's nothing we can have done to avoid it right uh, a, a drunk driver is going to hit you and you weren't doing a thing in the world wrong. You might have been going to, to, uh, to, to visit the sick and to help the widows. The drunk driver hits you. You may have cancer come upon you and it's not because you smoked for a hundred years or you drank for a thousand years. It's just because that's just time and chance happens to everybody, right? But many times, many times, and listen, especially young people, listen to this. Many times the decisions we make transport themselves into our future and arrange our circumstances. Did you hear that? Many times the decisions we make now transport into our future and arrange our circumstances. Now there are circumstances that sometimes just come upon us because time and chance happens to us all. But many times the life that we're living is just a product of the decisions that we've made, right? So I want some light to make those decisions by. And what I've noticed, a lot of times there are people that are just thrashing about through life. And it looks like life is tearing them to shreds. And they're making one decision after another. And it is like watching somebody walk through the woods in the middle of the night through a briar thicket with zero light. Because the gospel should bring life, abundant life, to light. When you see somebody that is walking with the word of God as their light, 
you may see them avoid many unpleasant circumstances. But you may see circumstances come along that were unavoidable, but you will see them handle them in a way that's mind boggling to you because they've got some light on the situation. And sometimes I see people and I think, I wonder if they would be in that same situation if they would have just had a little bit of light. Right. Now, listen, you can't get enough light. You cannot get enough light an hour and a half a week. On Sunday morning. Amen. You cannot do it. That is a light. But com- but what you need is. Need, the amount of light you need goes way beyond that. Right. You've got to have some personal time. In the word of God. And one day I'm going to preach on study. Maybe, maybe sometime coming in the future. But we're all studying something. Every single one of us is studying something. It may be deer hunting, Facebook, TikTok. It may be the news. It, we're all giving our attention and time to absorbing something. This is the one and only thing that this is the thing that will give you the most light and keep you out of the briar patches. Are you with me now? It gives us light on life, marriage, children, how to handle, uh, you know, a a person that's that's constantly hurting your feelings, how to handle sickness, how to handle all these manners of situations in life. It gives us the light to handle those things. But life is not the only thing that it illuminates. It also illuminates immortality, right? We're talking eternal things. We're talking about things beyond this life. And that's really where the rubber meets the road for me on this sermon is because without this gospel telling me about the sin in my life, I would be somewhat ignorant to it, right? right? That's right. But the Bible teaches me and tells me these are the things that God approves of. And these are the things that the Lord is displeased with. And as I read those things, it shines a light into my life saying, hey, Luke, mm, I see some things there that don't need to be there. Or maybe I see some things there that have pleased me. I wish you would do that more. But it shines that light into my life. And one thing that it does is it tells me what a sinner that I am. And it also tells, because we forget that. We forget that we're rotten, ruined sinners. Now, we, we love grace, and we're going to talk about that. But we forget that how, how exceedingly sinful our sin is. Right. I read a story not too long ago. I thought it was fascinating. It really, really was hit home with me. And it was a story about Sir Isaac Newton. <clears throat> and famous scientist, smart guy, came up with all kind of stuff that I don't halfway even pretend to understand. But back in the day, he didn't have, you know, his, his computer and he didn't have a you know, hard drive and he didn't have the USBs and this and that and just save it to a thousand times over. He was sitting at his desk and all of these things that he was studying that we still use today. He sat down, he had paper, paper, ink, dot his, dot his pen, ink. He just had papers and papers of all these things that he just studied all night long by candlelight. One time he gets up and he goes into the other room. His faithful dog was laying beside him. And as he got up to go to the other room and he went to the other room, the dog decided he'd get up and follow him. When he did, he bumped the desk, knocked the candle over. The candle fell on the papers and burned up all the papers. And Sir Isaac Newton realizes what's going on. and He runs back into the room and he sees all of this work has been destroyed. There's no there's no hard drive where these things are saved. And the story says he sits down and he's just crying and crying and crying. And his dog comes up and lays his head on the man's leg and he's petting the dog gently. And he looks at the dog and he says, 
you have no idea what you've done. I want you to think about that. That's the way it is with us as sinners. We have no idea the offense that we brought to the Lord with our sin. Now, this sheds some light on it, though, doesn't it? And it tells us what we are, but what else does it tell us? Not only does it tell us what we are and it tells us the penalty for those things, it tells us about grace, right? It tells us the means in which we have been delivered from that. And I don't have the time to go into grace like I want to, and I'll save that for another day for the sake of time. But once you understand what you are, what the penalty for what you have done is, and then you understand the magnitude of God's grace... The only proper response to that is thankfulness, right? right. You cannot be thankful for something when you don't know you possess it. The purpose of the gospel is to bring immortality to light and to tell you of the thing that you possess, Mm -hmm. which is salvation through the grace of God. And that ought to make us thankful, right? It ought to make us want to turn around on the road to the priest and run back to the Lord and fall down on our knees and thank him for that. You see, the purpose of the gospel is not the means in which we get to heaven. The purpose of the gospel is to tell us what the Lord did to get us to heaven. And as a result, we ought to be thankful and have thankful hearts for that. I hope that that has been profitable to you. When you pick up this book, don't ever forget that it is a light that will keep you out of the briar patches. And if nothing else, it tells you when you close your eyes in death, what the Lord has done for us. And I hope that makes you thankful. I hope that's been profitable to you. Please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.